On today's episode, we talk about how to win in the new year. I had my buddy Matt Raglan and I have so many notes. How to not get stuck in the pursuit of perfect clarity. And here's my favorite one. How starting the race is the only way to find the finish line. Focus on the things that you can control to win. How consistency will create your strategy. And did you know that strategies and tactics only work when consistency is applied? And then my favorite one, we broke down a step-by-step guide on how to accomplish all of your goals in 2020 and how doing less will get you close to your goals. And so you see me looking away. I have to look at my notes because there was so much gold. I'm really stoked. I learned a lot. I was kind of giddy taking notes as I went through this on the podcast. So I'm going to shut up now. Let's cue the podcast. I'll see you guys in the episode. Welcome to the Mind of George Show. This is a free-for-all Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com, and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, I'm joined by a very special guest. I don't even know how to best introduce a man who I've stalked on the internet, talked to remotely, (laughs) had his phone number, only texted occasionally, but I literally consume from afar and we're going to be talking about planning and I couldn't be more stoked because he is the king of like customer experience matched with planning and COO brain with a big heart has worked at ConvertKit which you guys know is one of my favorite places and Podia which is another one and now out on his own thing doing the thing changing the world launching a podcast and so we have today my good friend Matt Raglan so Matt welcome to the show hey George it's a pleasure to be here thanks for the kind words and yeah I've loved working with you and getting to know you over the years so thanks for having me on and I'm excited to share yeah so I'm gonna tell everybody why you're here after I ask you this first question and and how you got here and to be on this podcast is great but you have had a lot of experience in especially like in the SaaS world and all of it as somebody who's worked for these companies consulted and also been on your own and so in your journey of entrepreneurship looking back what would you pin down as one of the biggest mistakes that you've made? What have you learned from it? And then how do you mitigate it in the future? The most important uh, thing that I've done and a mistake that I made early on, and it sounds kind of silly, but it's the simple power of being really consistent with your content and with your brand. Mm -hmm. And I mean that all the way down to, if you can get, if you're creating content we're in a world right now where yes, there is kind of an overwhelm of content that's easy to find, but people value consistency and they see, they just see how serious you are about the way that you take your craft. And I I didn't do that for a long time. Like my first three or four years, I would really say of creating content or doing it on the side, I was a little more haphazard because either I didn't feel like it was on topic at the time or I was overly concerned about quality. Like I got stuck in that perfectionist mindset when once I started to be consistent with the content that I was creating, everything changed for me. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's been my tone of the year for 2020 is that I can't win the race if I don't start it and it's better just to go a mile yeah. every day. And, and that's been a... That's been a big one, yeah. And so let me, and, and by the way, I love that answer. And really, I've learned, and, and I don't know about you, but when I look back at like my entrepreneurial journey, like I've been doing this for like 12 years now, multiple companies, owned 12 of them, lost a few of them, have a few more, consulted, been an influencer and done it. It's really, really simple to me because every time I look back, even at like the fringe points of like, I'm either going to make it or I'm not, it's always boiled back down to simplicity and consistency. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's like, I expand to scale and then I have to trim everything down and get back to simplicity and consistency yeah. at a new level to start it over again. And so it's one of those things that I don't think has ever gone away and I don't think it's going to. So you're always a really good daily reminder of this. And so the. <laughs> Everybody listen. So here's what happened. The team yelled at me and they were like, hey, we have all these podcasts scheduled. We want you to riff on January 1. 
and we want you to talk about planning and consistency. And I was like, I am the absolute worst human to talk about planning. Like, I can't tell you what I'm having for dinner or next month, and that's why I have you guys. And then you hit my inbox with an email uh, a couple weeks ago about, you know, taking the jump, coming back out on your own, like, you know, stepping away from your roles. And I've consumed your content for years. And then another email came in on that day about planning and how you plan, how to plan for 2020. And that's what I really wanted to talk to you about today, because I will say I've advocated most of my planning to my team. And I'll be like, here's where I want to be in 20 years. Tell me how to get there. And it's basically come out of the fear of me not even know where to start. Like I know where I kind of want to go, like with with somewhat clarity, I can tell you texture, but then I get stuck at that point every single time. And so I tend to freeze and do nothing. And I was mm -hmm. like, so here's Matt to the table. Coming. And I was like, so what do I do, Matt? <laughs> yeah, you know, what you described is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I want everyone that's listening to like, know in yourself that that's okay to be like where do i want to go this year did not go as i expected for a lot of us and you know what does like say i mean you mentioned a 20-year time horizon i think a, with a lot of goals and a lot of planning we need to really pull back and if you're not if you're not consistent and you haven't had a whole lot of experience with long-term planning, mm -hmm. then it's really difficult to do because there's a good chance you also struggle with short-term planning. Oh, and yeah. I don't necessarily mean like struggle with um, a daily plan, but say like even in that mid-range of like, what am I gonna, what are my goals in the next three to six months? Mm -hmm. And so I can give, I can give you some ideas and methods and structures for just getting into that like short to mid-range planning so that you can build some confidence, build some momentum and really like have something attainable and close by, but also is enough time for you to get some cool things done. Yeah, I, I think that, and it's really interesting you say that cause like I'll be the first one to own my day. I come into my day with intentionality, right? Like I don't fight yeah. fires, like I'm into time blocking and I've been really nailed. But it's really interesting because the moments I'll finish some of my time blocks, I'll get anxiety because then I'll be like, wait, did that move towards, oh wait, I don't have clarity where that's going. And I know like my team does, but it's been one of those things where I, I know personally I've resisted it because clarity makes it measurable. And then when it's measurable, it's achievable. And then I lose the dopamine and the chase of like, oh, I'm gonna fix it today or I'm gonna solve it today. And it's definitely something it's definitely something I've 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 looked at. So like what do you think are some of the biggest keys? You know, like for me, I'm still learning and so like I'm very much selfishly asking this question. <laughs> right. Like I watch you. I watch you with your bullet journal. I watch, you know, like how you're methodical and intentional with that consistency and I feel like for me, I'll have maybe a 70% clear picture, but I don't spend more of my time being consistent, not necessarily with clarity. And so right. it's like, how do you go about like just starting? So like getting clarity, I think is number one, but like getting it down into like mid range or quarter range, like what does your day look like? What do I do? How do I start like as tangible as possible? Cause like I'm, I'm genuinely gonna be taking notes on this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I wanna encourage you on and um, actually say you're in a pretty good place is if you have like 70 to 80% clarity on what the next steps are or could be, I think that's a really good place to start mm -hmm. because a lot of people I've found that I've coached or have had on, you know, just on my email list or will comment on my YouTube videos is they'll actually get stuck in the 80 to 100% of quote unquote clarity mm -hmm. that they're trying to achieve. And that's just another uh, way we can get stuck in our perfectionism, get stuck in thinking like, well, I have to have all the boxes checked. I have to have everything figured out. And even if you could get to that, and you know, maybe you can get closer, what I've actually found is even getting to what you might feel is 100% clarity on something is not always as positive as you might think, because then if something doesn't go to plan, mm -hmm. then you're like, 
oh, shoot, what do I do now? Like, this didn't go to plan, or I fell behind a little bit. I know what I have to do, but now I'm so far behind. Oh, no, what do I do now? <laughs> so getting to even like that 70%, 80% of clarity is still a really good place to start because what I have found is, and we'll break this down to into like, a daily system in just a minute but mm -hmm. what i have found is once you get started and create that consistency and momentum towards your goals it will either clarify that last 20 percent for you or just have the mental flexibility to understand that maybe everything you wrote down in your initial brainstorm isn't actually going to work out so whether it's you kind of you know move a goal <laughs> a little bit whether, like if it's an achievement style goal, um, if you wanted to get a thousand YouTube subscribers in the first three months and you end up, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, maybe I could do daily videos for the last 15 days and get closer, but 900, 900 is good too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so your consistency and the momentum that you build early on will create additional clarity not just for what your final goal can be, but like some of the steps that you need to actually take to get there. And I think that's really important and something that's often overlooked. Yeah, yeah, I think um, too, and and I'm gonna spend this whole episode talking about my struggles as an entrepreneur because it, it, I think it's relatable because yeah. you said something earlier that really resonated with me. I would get, I would get romantic about the goal and then the mm -hmm. moment it was off kilter, I would then use that as evidence to like change direction or quit the consistency and get frustrated and then have to like start over again. It's like, right. I like got a flat tire and I slashed the other three instead of just changing it, you know, and driving <laughs> and driving forward again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I sound like a broken record cause I use it all the time, but I, it really, I look back now and everything that I've done, you know, this podcast, including the most successful things that I have have literally been from what you said of, you know, kind of choosing the direction, getting clear on the direction and then heading in that direction consistently and then allowing myself to figure out if there's a shorter path, a more effective path and just remaining through it regardless of how I feel. So that's been a really, really big one for me. Um, and so when you think about like this goal setting, right? Like we have goal, you know, revenue goal in 2021, my team and I, and all of it, do you go out like, you know, looking like maybe a year, but then you kind of work backwards and start measuring in like, you know, sprints or do you do it in quarters or like, how do you break that down to make sure? And like, what's the process and auditing look like to make sure we're kind of on track? Cause I'll tell right now, like this morning I finished my list and then I had like anxiety cause I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. And then I had to call my team and they're like, no, no, you're done. Like, you know, go get ready to move and get ready for Montana. And then of course I was like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then, you know, I get all messy and stuff, but, um, it's, it's definitely something. Yeah. I would just love to hear your thoughts on that one before I just keep rambling. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of nailed it right from the beginning is that I look at the year ahead mm -hmm. and I normally pick two, three, at the most four major projects that I'll work on in any given quarter. And those are like, you know, this kind of goes back even to like Stephen Covey, mm -hmm. seven, seven, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the things that he talks about are like the three big rocks, those three big projects that you can usually focus on at any given time. And so I look at, you know, what do I want to do what are the projects and goals that I have for for the year ahead? And then I assign them based on the quarter that I wanna get things done and kind of how the year might flow out. And so I'll look at say for Q1, my, my main projects and goals are to launch my podcast, uh, get 15 new clients, and then prep for a brand new launch of my course. Those are the three major projects. Now within that, and we can talk about this a little bit differently, is that I still have like daily, weekly systems and habits that I focus on. And so usually with something like say YouTube, um, I have, even though I, I mentally have an idea of like, I would really like to add 25,000 YouTube subscribers next mm -hmm. year. But I've also found now with three, almost four years of being on YouTube now, uh, pretty regularly, that I'll, going back to the consistency piece, 
that YouTube tends to reward me just when I'm more consistent. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking about like, what kind of videos can I make to get an extra 25 or 50,000 subscribers next year, a better use of thinking about like my time and my systems is what can I do to make sure that I'm putting out a daily, uh, not a daily video right now, (laughs) a weekly video. And then once I get really good at the weekly video system, how can I get to two videos a week? Mm-hmm. And will that change the numbers? Something that I control more so than being like, well, what would it look like to make 10 perfect videos just this year? Like mm-hmm. one video a month, but it's perfect. It's, you know, whatever. YouTube doesn't really behave that way. And so for me, instead of like focusing on an outcome-based goal that is something like I'm going to launch the podcast. That is that is an outcome-based goal. A more system-based goal is now I'm going to have a weekly episode on the mm. podcast, and that's how it's that's how it's going to grow. Especially early on, when any number that I would shoot for in terms of downloads is to- is literally totally made up. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to, I want to, I want to stick on this for just a moment because most of the goals that we come up with are completely made up. Mm-hmm. Like literally, they have no basis in any reality besides the one that you create. Mm-hmm. And so, if that is the case, why not create a goal and a reality that does kind of balance the tension between challenging you and something that you feel good about? Because you can just feel good about making videos. You can feel good about like going for a run and making that a a yearly goal um, or something that you do weekly Mm -hmm. on an annual basis, whatever, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I can get myself so worked up about thinking I have to hit 50,000 more subscribers this year on YouTube. And then at the end of the year, maybe I feel like a total failure because I only added 30,000 when in reality, I totally made that number up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny is as, as I sit here and I hear you think, that response, what you just talked about, is laced with so many technical strategies, tactics, and depth of like wisdom and entrepreneurship. Because, you know, like you're talking about consistency, but when you're consistent with something you control, it actually creates the quote unquote strategies and tactics on yeah. something measurable. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, I think the big part of what you do, and this is something I learned a long time ago. Thank you to some of my friends. And this one was uh, Jonathan Baylor actually drilled this into my head about outcomes versus tasks. It's like Mm -hmm. looking at the outcome, but having the outcome be something that you can actually influence, right? Like if you're going to follow the Lean Six Sigma model and you're using SidePocket, like you control the input and the process and the output. And, you know, what you're talking about is that's something I've fallen into where. I was like, oh, if I do this to get this many followers or close this many deals, I always miss the target. But if I focus on the inputs and like running the race, then the target becomes as a result of what that is. And so just in case anybody listening to this, like I need to nail this home because we teach this in marksmanship when I used to do that. But the funny thing is, is like with long range shooting, if you look at the target, you miss. Like if you're looking through your sights and your scope and the target is clear, it means the sights are misaligned and you're gonna miss the target. When you look at your sights, you actually have to have the front sight post clear and the target is blurry and that guarantees you hit dead center. And so I use oh, that wow. analogy all the time yeah. because it was something I learned. And when I was learning how to shoot a very long time ago in the military, I'd be like, I missed the target. Like, and it would be literally like the target would be a circle and I would have like a rainbow over the top of it. And they're like, yeah, you're staring at the target. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm staring at the target. I'm supposed to hit it. And he's like, yeah, no, you have to use the tools that you have. And then it's the measure of those together that create the result of hitting the target. And so I I just wanted to say that because it's such a wise thing and it's so clear. And so when you think about this now, you think about like this outcome of like, I want to launch the podcast. That's something that's outcome based, like it's tangible and it's measurable and you can kind of work backwards. And then, but when you're talking about like this made up number of like, I want 25,000 subscribers, like we could go out and this is where people fall into the trap. Like, well, what strategy? What can I make the thumbnail do? What can I do? Whatever. And you end up wasting all this time where you could have produced five more videos, you know, consistently and done it and then actually had a tangible measure. 
Yeah, and the other thing to point out on this is this, this is especially true for YouTube and a lot of content creation online, and I believe a lot in, in business, is when you are consistent with your creation, then you will start to better understand which systems and strategies work best for you. Mm-hmm. So then when you're even learning from other experts, other coaches, other mentors in your life that are like giving you systems and strategies, then you can hold them up to the light of like, this is something that I'm actually doing that I can apply it to rather than being like, okay, well, I guess I'll just try this thing now for a little bit and see if like this, instead of running, and this was something I learned at ConvertKit and Podia, something really big in SaaS companies is run as many growth experiments as you can run as many experiments you know in as you can within your product within your app that are obviously going to keep it keep it up to like understand what's working to understand what people are responding to like you may think that one color matters but you know, it could be a completely different color the color may not matter at all but if you put all of your you know all of your all of your eggs in the color basket then you're going to miss that like well the way that you wrote this particular help document or the way that this help text pops up or doesn't pop up inside of the application itself makes a bigger difference but because you ran 10 tests instead of one or two or just like ran one and it's like well that's the strategy mm-hmm. then you're missing what people's actual responses are and I do this in YouTube all the time and I keep coming back to it. As long as I'm consistent, I will start to learn through people's actual responses on click-through rates. Like this is where the data comes into play is when you have a lot of it to sort through, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like these are the type of thumbnail. All of my videos, all of my most popular videos have this type of thumbnail. And like this was something when I had when I had a YouTube coach, she was like, Matt none of the videos where you're like people might tell you put your face in the in the youtube thumbnail a lot of people say that because it makes it more personable none of the videos with my face in the thumbnail did well (laughs) there are all these like overhead shots like looking at the journal or looking at the application looking at you know the flat lay those were all the ones she's like don't even she's like don't even worry about putting your face in there that's even easier. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like make sure your your hair looks nice or like you've done anything. You're not in it at all. And I wouldn't have known that if I had just made like a handful of videos and didn't have enough information to understand what people were really responding to. Yeah, I think I mean like that just struck me with like these so many ideas. Like just even for me, and a trap I've fallen into is being like romantic about what we're doing instead of being open to the possibility that it's always going to be iterative, like it's always improving. But I think a big part of that is understanding that the consistency never changes. But when you have that constraint, you can test within that constraint. And so if it's a video a week, you don't change the video, like you don't stop posting one a week or amp it up, you keep that as the control and you're like, oh, well, if I'm not getting a lot of views, well, what can I control? I can control the title, I can control the thumbnail, and I can control you know, maybe the length of the video. And then playing with that information, I think, is awesome. And it's like this permission slip to go play. And, and I love that. I absolutely love that. So how do you come up with, like, so like this whole thing for me is like, when I look at 2021, like I want to have a clear picture in the next couple of weeks, like where I want to focus, how I want to measure. How do you come up with measures? Like when you look at that, like how do you come up with quote unquote constraints or measures so it's not a distraction and I'm not like, oh, well, I'm gonna go from a six minute video to a 64 minute video or, you know, how do you go about that to right. make sure that the tests and the things that you're measuring against are effective? Yeah, and so, and this kind of goes back to the point of being consistent. And when you do when you do something regularly, not only will you develop confidence in it, but you'll develop a better understanding of like the time it actually takes to do something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like if I want to do and intend to do a weekly YouTube video and a weekly podcast, then I know that between those two things, it's going to take me like 10 to 15 hours to do both. And that's like bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to take up a day and a half at least for me, if not two full days of my week. And so then I need to understand. And so a lot of this is like time tracking, time management, time blocking. It's looking at it and saying like, okay, basically, if I'm going to focus two full days at least 
on content, then what other goals do I have for the rest of the week? What other commitments do I have to take that will bring me closer to the other goals that I have? And that helps me understand like what can what can I add on to my plate without getting overwhelmed and also without getting to a point four weeks in you're like, I actually can't do this thing anymore because I don't have time for it. If I understand like almost the baseline commitment of those weekly systems that I mentioned, mm-hmm. so podcasting, writing my writing my weekly email, getting a YouTube video up, um, coaching calls, that takes up about 60 to 70% of my week, like just from the beginning. And so I know that I can maybe give one, maybe two at the most days each week, unless I create, now I can look at some time ahead and be like, okay, I'm gonna try and front load some content so I can take a whole week and just focus on a specific project. You know, you and I, other business owners, we have the flexibility to do that. And that's one of the reasons I started working for myself was that I could do things like that. But just as an example, like I know that one of my Q1 goals is to get ready to launch, relaunch my course at the beginning of Q2. And we'll talk about like kind of that quarter to quarter carryover in just a minute. But if I already have a like 60, 70% of my week baseline full with content creation and coaching, then I really do know that okay, I can probably only dedicate one, maybe two days a week to this other project. But if I only have one other project, and that is like relaunching the course, that's very doable. That gives me, that gives me, you know, (laughs) 90-ish, 60 60 work days, Mm. 60 work days, 60 hours to get all this done. And you know, more than 60 hours. And so that way, if I'm doing proper like time management, the more that I've, now that I've done this for a number of years, um, even on this side, I understand like how long these things are going to take. So I can basically say, look, it's just to run the business on a week to week basis takes at least three days, three mm-hmm. and a half days. And so if I have really just, let's just say eight hours, cause you know, there's plenty of time that gets filled up with other random stuff. But if I have just eight hours a week to dedicate to these other one or two goals, can I do that? Do I need to cut one? Or, and this is kind of like the quarter to quarter piece, is if I have a larger goal, then I will break it up into two quarterly sub goals. And so in Q2, I'm gonna actually like relaunch and act and run a live cohort of my course. Mm. And that's a really big commitment. Like that will take up a lot of time in Q2. And so what I'm focusing on is not trying to do all of that in three months, but I'm spending time ramping up, ramping up and recreating, updating the course in Q1 so that when I get into Q2, all I have to do is focus on actually running the program. So I'm breaking a larger goal into two separate quarters. Mm. Yeah, I, I love it. And one of the things that you said, I think took me until last year to learn is like before you even get into your goals, before you even get into the clarity, like you have to make sure there's space for them. Like you have to be intentional with your time. Like I think I fell into this trap a lot, but it's like I would go look at like, and I'm better now, but I would go look at 2021. Like I wanna do all of these things, right? And I'm like planning out goals that require three of me in an average week. And then I look at them like, well, who's gonna do the consulting and run my mastermind and you know, create the podcast and all of it. And then I, it's like all that time I spent even like ideating, I was like, oh, I can't do any of this anyways, right? And so I think, you know, getting a really clear picture of like what our baseline is, you know, and yep. where we spend our time. And, and guys, we'll reference time blocking. Nier's podcast already came out. If you have not listened to it, go mm-hmm. listen Great. to it because we nailed Absolutely. being indistractable and getting into time blocking. And so, so with that, you know, I think that's something I've struggled with a ton and my whole entrepreneurial journey has been like this and I I don't want to chalk it up to a personality trait. It's just been more of uncomfortable because I haven't known what muscle to work out or what to flex because like, I'm like, Oh, that's what I want to do in this year. And then the moment you're like, well, what are you going to do this week, this quarter, this month? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to get there most of the time. 
right? And, you know, I end up in that frivolous number category. And so it's like, is everybody's listening to this and looking at like, hey, we're, we're going into an entire year. Like, how do you even recommend getting started on like what that goal would look like or getting clarity around it? Right. Yeah, so I'm so glad you asked this. What I would focus on is take about you know, 30 minutes to an hour sometime in the next couple of weeks. And I want you to give yourself that space to list as many goals, habits, processes, systems, things that you want to implement in the new year. So take your time, go wild, write everything down that you wanna do. Okay, I think that's I think that's important because we need to like understand, you know, give yourself permission. Don't judge any of it at the beginning. Just get everything down, and then once you have everything written down, you're gonna like draw draw a line down the paper, or create a new column, and put into that column how long do you think that this is going to take to do. Mm -hmm. Is this something that'll take the whole year? Will it take a month? Will it take like, you know, several weeks? Maybe just a week, maybe it's just a little thing you wanna do. We don't tend to normally think in those ways, like, ah, oh, this is something I could get done in a week. You know, we don't really, those are goals, but we don't think of them in the same way at this time of year. So write down for each goal that you have, like how long will it take you to achieve this or get it done? And then, also write down like make another column and if it makes sense for the goal write down if it is an outcome based goal or is it a system based goal because mm. now you can start to use your not just your not just like time during the year like looking at seasons and months and quarters and when things might fit in but you can also look at it and start to create that benchmark for yourself like i would say i do say a goal for next year is a weekly YouTube video that, you know, completing each one is a positive outcome for that episode, but it's a system goal. Same thing for the podcast. It is like, I want to have a system where I am producing a weekly podcast. Mm. And other things are like, I need to get ready to relaunch my course. So once all of that prep, all the new content is in, once it's been restructured, then like that project, that goal is complete. And I start the next goal of like, okay, let's actually launch it and then run the program. And that would be the next quarter's goal. So each of those will take say like a couple of months to three months being a quarter. But now I can look at it and say like, all right, I have these systems that I want to implement and they are probably gonna take up like this much time during my week. And I wanna make a quick caveat on this because another thing people get stuck on uh, super often is not understanding or not being confident in estimating how much time something's going to take. Mm. And that's something we kind of have to consistently stay on top of because things kind of change. If I do one type of video, it might take 10 hours. If I do another type of video, it may only take three or four. Mm. And so, you know, I just kind of run that into an average, but often people will have a lot of trouble estimating the time and they will often estimate that it takes less time than it actually will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Super common, be like, I'll have this done. Yeah, you know, sometimes we overestimate, sometimes we underestimate. When it comes to like something like this, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna make a YouTube video, be like, ah, that can only, that only take a few hours. But then it might take 10 and you're like, crap. Well, I don't know if I can do this, this often. And so, but the more that you do it, the more that, not just you'll usually get faster at what you're doing, but you'll gain a better understanding of like, okay, let's just say that on average, these YouTube videos are gonna take me six to eight hours. I just need to have that blocked off. Like that's a benchmark. That's a benchmark time block commitment that I'm gonna have every single week. And then you can start looking at, okay, I have these system goals. I have these outcome goals. It's gonna take me a month. It's gonna take me three months. It might overall take me six months. And for someone, and then you can start to schedule those basically into your calendar, not just like your weekly, your week to week schedule of like, I need to do this YouTube video, I need to do this podcast, but also like I've talked about like saying, okay, now that I have these system goals that I know take this much time during the week, I can like reasonably block out one, maybe two days to work on other projects. 
what kind of project do I need to like give myself? What kind of goal that I can reasonably do within those one to two additional days? Mm-hmm. And that can be as I as I've talked about. Like if I said in Q1 I was going to re I was going to redesign the course and launch it and run it, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like mm-hmm. I just I looked at it, I was like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I can take the time and give myself a three month window to redesign to redesign the course and get it ready for launch again, rewrite all the emails, redo the sales page, and then I'm gonna have time to actually launch it and run it in Q2. Mm-hmm. Because I really only have like one or two days <laughs> to to do those things. So make your list of all the goals, all the things that you wanna do next year, make another column and put down how much time you think they're going to take like to completion, or if it's a system-based goal, how much time do you think you're gonna have to dedicate to it each week? And so like, if I was saying weekly YouTube video, I would say eight hours or one day each week is just gonna have to go to that. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to look at not just your week to week schedule, but like your month to month or your quarterly schedule ahead and be like, okay, I can probably do this. And I always like this, this sounds very unmotivational, but I always encourage people early on to do to do less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do less than you like your aspirational mind thinks you can because you'll get much closer to actually doing them or you'll get them all done. And if you want to start something earlier, but what I'm super focused on at the beginning of each year and what I always encourage my clients and customers to do is, you know, give yourself something reasonable, something achievable, so you can build that consistency, confidence um, early in the year and then we can just use that momentum as we go into the rest of 2021. Yeah, God, there's there's so much gold in there. You know, one of them, you know, you said, you know, make sure you confidently estimate the time. And I will say confidently estimating the time is something because you even said it. You're like, oh, this will take me a week. My brain's like, I can do it in an hour. I can do it in an hour. And I, I tend to be that quick start where I've done this so many times where it's like, but it, it's almost like I don't wear that as a badge of honor anymore because I realized that that procrastination was just due to a lack of clarity. And then that actually created an undesirable result because you know what you're talking about now is like putting a real measure and having real clarity on this thing, which makes it really crystal clear. Like this is the race I'm running. This is how I'm going to get there. And then this is the result. And and for me, it took me six years to get rid of the dopamine that came from you know always fighting fires. And it 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 is really powerful though. Um, You know, I think, and I don't think it's talked about enough. And I'm glad that you hit it. Is is this that it's a race, like it's a journey. It's not a, I'm gonna go sprint for a day. It's like, no, like we're building these legacy businesses, these five, 10, 20, 50, 100 year yeah. businesses. And we need to chunk it down and work backwards. And this is something that I, I work on. And luckily I have people around me that help me with this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you're talking, I'm getting all these ideas. And then I was like, okay. And so that leads me to my next question. When you get this clarity, how do you go about prioritizing? Like, do you have like a waiting system? Oh, what do you do? Like, what yeah. do you do about that? Or what do you recommend getting into the priorities? Cause I'm like, I want to do all of it right now. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. So there's a simple ranking system and I actually have a PDF of this that you can download. Uh, George is going to share the link, but it's called the vet score and the vet score stands for value, ease, and time. Now, some some priorities will naturally sort themselves out based on how like a larger goal fits together. Like, for example, obviously the priority before I launch the course again is to get the course redesigned and updated for the launch. So that that part makes sense. But if I was to look at this and say like, okay, well, I've got a podcast that I want to launch. I have a course that I need to redesign. I need to update my web. I need to do a big update on my website. I want to be consistent with my podcast. I have a Kickstarter campaign for a notebook that I want to do this year. When do these things make sense and how can I rank them effectively? And the way that you can do that is called the VET score. And the VET acronym stands for value, ease, and time. 
And what you're gonna do on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most valuable, is list all of your projects that you're interested in doing, maybe for the year, but even just like, say for the first three months, list all your goals. And this does work better for um, outcome-based goals and it does system-based goals, though it can still apply. And think about like, what is the value so score number one is what is the value of this project, of this goal, of this system? And that can be monetarily. So like, especially if you're doing something like a course or a coaching program, which one will deliver more like monetary value? But it can also be like, this is valuable to my business. This is valuable to my personal happiness. So you can choose whatever like that value metric is. And then the next one is how easy, the ease, how easy is this for me to do? Like, it's pretty easy for me to put together a coaching program right now in terms of like the actual program. Now getting people into it isn't always as easy, but like putting together a coaching program is pretty easy. Like, okay, well the program part of it, no big deal. That is like another high score. So let's say if we said coaching program versus launching a podcast, coaching program has a much higher value score. Let's say it's a nine out of 10. A podcast initially is something that's kind of a mid, like it's more like something I wanna do. It's not gonna make as much money right now or any money, uh, but it's like on a happiness scale, it's something that I wanna do long-term. And so let's just give it a six. And I'm doing all these numbers in my head, but then the ease is like, okay, well, is it easier for me to put together a coaching program or a podcast? they're kind of the same mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in terms of how easy it is for me to do, which is you start to already see like, okay, well, this is interesting. They're both like the same ease rank, but one is clearly more valuable. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and the T is time. Now you might think, well, ease and time are connected and often they are, but I think we can all think of like the busy work tasks mm -hmm. that even if they're easy, they take up a lot of time. And for me, like the busy work stuff, it just, it sucks me dry. Um, yep. <laughs> I hate it. And that's what I have a team for. Yep. <laughs> um, which is, you know, just a whole other conversation of like, you know, hiring to um, balance out your weaknesses. But so now I'm looking at this and like, well, the time, the coaching program takes a lot of time. And the time score is a little inverted because it's like the more time something takes, the lower score you're gonna give it. And so like a coaching program takes a lot of time mm -hmm. for me. And so that might be like a two. So now I've got like nine, six, and two. What is that? 17. So basically you're gonna take that 17 number and divide it by three and that is the final score. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. I'm, so there's, like I said, there's a PDF and a video where I explain everything about the vet score and give you like a real visual example. But then you run all of your all of your goals through this vet score and you look at it and say like, okay, well, it makes a lot of sense to run a coaching program in the first quarter because it's super high value. It's pretty easy. It's not super hard. And it does take me a lot of time, but it's balanced out by how valuable it mm. is. Like mm -hmm. by far the most valuable thing that I can do. And so it taking more time, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. And what you, you want to avoid. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, like, can you tell everybody the link, by the way, just because we're going to keep going. I want you to tell them the link and then that way they can yeah. follow along. We'll tell them like 20 times. Yeah. So it's three, the letter, or the number three keys dot FYI. So three keys is in like car keys, house keys, three keys dot FYI. Yeah, and then go ahead. I, I know I interrupted you, but I was like, no, no, guys, go. You can actually go listen to the worksheet, like go look at it, because I pulled it up when you were talking. And I was like, this makes so much sense. And so, okay, um, yeah. yeah, no, no, no I, I love it. And it, real quick, can you break down? I know, but can you break down just quickly the difference between, you know, a systems goal and an outcome goal, just so we're crystal clear on what the difference is? Yeah, definitely. So the way that I think about this, and I have a lot of influence from uh, James Clear, mm -hmm. who talks a lot about systems versus goals, and uh, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, um, wrote about Loser this. Loser Think. Yeah, he wrote about it in Loser Think. He also wrote about it in his, his kind of like memoir, <laughs> How to Fail at Everything and Still Win Big, which is a great title. 
But the difference between these, like, um, there are a couple of ways that I think about it. And so, like, if we're talking about like outcomes versus systems, outcome is something that has like a clear finishing point. Like, mm. I'm going to launch a course. And so, like, getting to the point where I've created the course is one goal and one outcome. So it's done. And now I'm going to launch and run the course. Those have clear finish lines for the most part. And so, you know, you could even like break it down to think like just the weekly YouTube video is an outcome based goal. A system based goal is one of saying, I want to be consistent at doing this particular, um, you know, project, habit, action of I'm going to create of YouTube. I'm going to publish a YouTube video every week. I'm going to publish a, a new blog post. I'm going to write my weekly email newsletter. I'm going to post a new podcast. So that is something that you can think of like a system. So I need to create a system, a habit, an environment, a time where I can actually get these things done. I'm not as concerned about in that example. I'm not as concerned about the outcome of, especially one that I don't control of, getting to 100,000 YouTube subscribers. Like yeah. that would be a positive outcome, but when I talk about outcomes for goals, I'm talking about like, this is something that is a specific finish line more than like, okay, it's the end of the year. How many subscribers did I get? Neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I, I think it's good. And the other thing that keeps coming up for me now is like, I have clarity on where we're going and how we're getting there. And in this moment, I had anxiety of like, oh, but we're already going. And I was like, nope, I'm gonna ask him. Because I feel like one of the things that I struggle with for so long is I never pulled the ripcord fast enough, right? I always kind of waited until I smacked the ground and it got, you know, it was like, oh, you're too late. And so I know that some of us might have goals, some of us might have plans, but do you think it's ever bad to always cut out some time if you feel and just kind of like reevaluate, like give it a different measure, yeah. you know, do like a, I, I always look at this of like, just yeah, look back and see and do like an audit and do an iterative point. Cause like after this, like literally I pulled up the sheet and I was like, I'm gonna fill this sheet out right now as soon as we're done with this podcast. And I'm gonna actually put value on it because I look at things and there's things we do that don't take a lot of time that have high value, but I'm actually not as passionate about and then I look yep. at the other ones. And so I, I think it's really, really good. And so, you know, as people hear this, right? Like I'm, I'm hearing this, I'm, I have a whole year to plan and I wanna think about it. I wanna make sure that I'm finding the rocks, right? And like we can, we've given so many book references already, um, <laughs> but I love all the books that you mentioned as well. And so, you know, I'm gonna look at it as a year and then I'm gonna make sure that like, I understand like my current state of where I am, right? You can tell I've been through mm -hmm. Lean Six Sigma. Um, my current state of where I am and then look at like what I even have possible, like what space I have, right. what, you know, capacity I have and then get clear on an outcome or a system and one to three of them, I'm presuming, because I'm like, I have 64 of them, Matt, what do I do with all of these? So I'm going to prioritize <laughs> yeah. them on a list. I'm going to measure how much time they go and, you know, get them in and then give them value, put them in to vet them. And then that's at, by the way, everybody listening, three, the number three keys dot FYI. Um, and then use that to get clarity of my plan, right? And so now I have these, I, I'm clear, like, okay, I wanna grow the podcast, right? I wanna stay at three episodes a week, but I really wanna grow the YouTube channel and I want to double my mastermind, which is something I do control, right? And so I wanna have X amount of people in the mastermind. Now that I have the clarity, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to like even um, one of the things that I do like to do now that I have the clarity about what my goals are and when I can fit them in is also, and you kind of mentioned this, you know, especially if you're running a company or you're running a department, you have a team that works for you, you can give some of your goals to other people that work, work for you. And it may be that the, uh, the goals that you have or the amount of work that is focused on just like the core business takes up a really like takes up a lot of time like mm -hmm. you can look at this from like a SaaS company perspective like a company like ConvertKit may do like just three or four major major product updates in a year 
And you may think, I'm sure, well, I know, <laughs> and same thing with Podia or other companies that I've worked at, we have planning sessions and we come up with, you know, 50, 100 new product updates of new features, you know, changes that we want to make. And, you know, five, 10, I don't, you know, speak for the team anymore. I haven't worked there in a couple of years, but <laughs> that is, you know, in terms of major things, there's not that many that make mm -hmm. it because it takes up a lot of time and energy and focus to keep the ball rolling in the right direction. Now, again, you can give your team different things to do, but a good a good way to think about, and this is kind of going into a little bit more of the time management piece again, mm -hmm. a good way to think about the time that you have and the goals that you have. Google has a really good um, has a really good rule for this. They call it the 70-20-10 rule. And that rule means that 70% of your time, the projects that you pick should be related to growing, sustaining, and keeping momentum in the core business. And so like for, you, for Google, that is something like AdSense, YouTube, um, you know, search, obviously. 70% of their time needs to be focused on those on those things, on those goals. Like mm. for me, that would be like 70% of my time needs to be focused on you on YouTube and um, YouTube, the podcast and building the coaching program. 20% are things that show promise that are related to the core company or personal mission, but you know, just show promise at this point. And so you're giving 20% of your time, like for me, 20% of my time next quarter is going to be focused on the on on the project of getting the course ready to ready to run again mm. okay and then the 10 percent piece and this is something i don't always do a very good job of paying attention to and something that i think could be really useful for you though 10 percent of time to google should be focused on those like wild ideas things that you things that you think could change everything mm -hmm. and that gives you enough room for like serendipity and flexibility and just like going off on you know, like say like okay i have four hours this week or i have like two days this month where i can work on whatever wild thing that i want to mm -hmm. and so you know for me i'm not really making it like a core piece of like a core goal for q1 but i do have an intention of launching a kickstarter towards the end of next year and so my 10% time over the next few months is going to be like, okay, I have a few hours to think about this. What would a great notebook look like? And I just start to like build, build that, you know, build that reservoir of information and content and ideas so that when it's like, okay, now let's validate. Now I have a Q2 goal of like, let's validate these ideas that I have. And then I have a Q3 goal of let's, do the Kickstarter, let's launch it. And then I have a Q4 goal if I meet if I meet the Q3 goal of like, let's actually get this printed and sent out to people. And maybe that's something that started at just like 10% of my time, but in 2022, now is a part of the core, like 70% of the business because mm. like we're making $100,000 a year off notebooks. Mm. I love it. This like- shift up and down yeah. as well. You make me feel safe, right? Like I love people that have brains like yours. Like you make me feel safe. Cause like I have an amazing team and I'm working on all this. And then sometimes I even forget to look at like where our consistency every day is creating something a couple months down the road and just allowing it time. Like I, when I coach people, I'm like, you can't get mad that you put all the brownie ingredients in the bowl and mixed it, put it in a cold oven, pulled it out a minute later and we're pissed that you didn't get brownies. Like you gotta right. let it let it marinate, it would cook in this case and have time. And so I love it. And so as we as we have all of this, like, so I think about it, like, I love this. You're getting me excited to whip out a pen and paper because you talk about analog all the time and getting out of the apps, which I love. Um, what are some of the things like to be cognizant of, like when I'm time blocking and like the mistakes to avoid, right? Cause I've time blocked with rigidity and then I'll get like upset, like that I get a distraction or my four-year-old runs in. And then I've also time blocked, Matt, and this is my favorite one. I've time blocked to where I've accomplished what I was set out to accomplish in like half the time. And then I had no idea what to do. And I was like, I'm going for a walk, right? And so 
as, yeah. as we're thinking about everybody listening to this and doing this and looking at these things moving into the new year, like what are some of the things that they can do to like set themselves up to win to make sure that we maintain that consistency and momentum? And, you know, I know we harped and started on like doing less so you can get into that, but like what are some of the other tips that you would like carry forward to have people utilize? Yeah, one of the most interesting things that I've had people start doing is tracking their time, like mm. in these 15 to 30 minute increments. If you track your time for even a week, but especially for two or three weeks, doing your normal work, doing the kind of things that you want, that you commonly do, you will start to understand and build that confidence around, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people get kind of bummed out at themselves, but you will understand the time that you are spending on different projects, tasks, or even distractions. And it's okay when that happens because now you're just building a higher level of awareness about the time that you have and the mm -hmm. things that you need to do. That's how I can confidently tell you that a YouTube video normally takes me six to eight hours to mm -hmm. do. Because not only have I done it, I'm not just guessing anymore. I'd be like, well, took about a day, half a day, day half a day, day. <laughs> is what most of us do and that's not wrong but when you like actually look at whether it's a proactive time block being like i'm gonna i'm gonna dedicate four hours to working on this youtube video or more of a like reflective time track of looking back and be like okay what did i actually do for the past couple hours break that down into chunks because then you will start to see those categories uh, and I recommend like initially just keep it easy and just do it in like a little notebook mm -hmm. like or a sheet of paper. You know, you can do a spreadsheet for it. But again, like I just know I'm so prone to distraction mm -hmm. that if I have to go on my computer for anything that I don't actually have to, then I'm be like, well, let's just see how Twitter's doing. Or yeah. like even, even if I get like a tool that I love, Notion, like where I have done like a lot of this time tracking some of the past or Rome research, which we talked about uh, yeah. in the pre-show, I'll just be like, ooh, well, let me check on that or let me make a note on this. But when you like track your time, you will start to gain that clarity and confidence where we're like, okay, now I know how long this is gonna take because I've been tracking it. Mm -hmm. And you can start to like better block out your time in the future and better understand like when these different goals and projects might fit in because you're like, ah, actually doing the podcast, the email and YouTube each week basically takes up three of my five to six days. Mm. So do I want to work Saturdays in order to push this other thing through? Cause that's what it's going to take. And you can either be like, you know, have a conversation with your spouse. If that's the situation you're in, <laughs> as I have commonly had in the past, be like, Hey, Saturday mornings for the next few months, just, you know, we'll have breakfast and that's it. Um, which is another one of the reasons that's great to work for yourself. But then I can just better, I can better plan going yeah. ahead. And I promise you, if you, if you track your time for a week or two, then you will gain such a better awareness of the time that you actually have available and what you're spending it on. Cause the other thing is you can look at it and say like, Oh wow, I actually spent a lot of time like, whether it's social media scheduling or email. And I want to encourage you, like, as you're doing this, don't judge it in the moment. Be like, ah, crap. I just spent another two hours on email that I didn't necessarily need to do. And maybe you need to do it. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. up to each person. But I know for me, like, I wouldn't want to know that I've spent 10 hours on email each week. Mm -hmm. And then I can like, be like, okay, well, if I can somehow, like, maybe better batch this email or I can offload it to an assistant, then wow i've got maybe eight hours back instead of 10 or like i'm only need to spend a couple hours each week on email instead of 10. Mm -hmm. and that's really that's where you start to like just create time out of like thin air which is really exciting yeah i love it you call it the you call it the 25 hour day right like i think that yep. you have something <laughs> like that right yeah i remember yeah and i think too um, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lead into the last question with this, but just to, to wrap, I think for me, you know, one of the things I was resistant to tracking time for a long time because I was actually like you talked about, I was making myself wrong instead of looking at it as information, right? Like, I think one of right. the best gifts to understand as an entrepreneur is like we're all athletes and we all have our sport, but we always yeah, have to like look that. at it of like how we tweak it to perform better, how can we recover better, how can we eat better, and I was like. 
Well, if I just pretend I'm the best athlete in the world and I don't track my time, then that means I'm convincing myself I'm doing all the right things all the right time, but I kept losing the race. And I was like, okay, cool. So if I want to win the race, I just got to track it. And now I can actually tell you, yeah, I can tell you with splitting clarity where I spend my time. Like in my team will text me today and they're like, what'd you get done? I'm like, oh, I spent three hours doing reactive social because all my work was done. And they're like, oh, got it. And I'm like, cool. But then I also know that like, I can't get upset the next day that I'm like, oh, well, that thing didn't get done. I come to my desk, I'm like, oh, I didn't prioritize it yesterday. And yep. you, you know, you nailed something that took me a long time to understand. But awareness and, and the accurate information is the key to everything. It's the key to doing, deferring, delegating, you know, looking at your time and time blocking. And so it's something that's here. And um, I'm actually really, I'm probably gonna be texting you because I'm like, what about this? What about this? Because I- yeah. Matt, Matt made the mistake of giving me his number a couple of years ago. And so <laughs> I've, I haven't used it too much, but I'm like, this might be yeah, the time. Right. This might be the time that I use it. But everyone listening to this, we're leading into a new year. This is the January one episode. Like this is you are kicking off 2021 with a bang on the mind of George show. And I ask everybody this to end, but I'm going to ask you one question before that one question. So I got to know, what is your favorite food? Ooh. That's tough. I'm, I've gone back and forth on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say right now, gosh, it's so close. Uh, <laughs> I would have to say tacos okay. now, with like a close second on just like really good brisket. Yeah, I was gonna say um, you're you're in Tennessee, so you can get brisket. Yeah, you can get yeah, brisket. So it's it's tough. I mean, like maybe brisket tacos Ooh, is the real jam. Yes, and there's there's a good place around the corner that uh, makes some good brisket tacos. Brisket tacos. Little cheat. Brisket tacos. And you have a brain that I highly, highly admire and respect. And so I want to know what you're currently reading or what you recommend reading right now. Mm. Uh, So I'm reading, reading a couple of books right now. One is um, the one that I'm most interested in right now, even though it's a very tough read, <laughs> is Six Easy Six Easy Pieces by Richard Feynman. Okay. Who is a physicist. Um, and I haven't taken physics since high school. And even then I was just very okay at it. But one I do find like I didn't have I didn't do like once I left high school I didn't do as much with the sciences, but now I'm interested in them again. And the other thing that I find really interesting is that I do think that, you know, physics is, you know, could be a pretty complicated subject. Yeah. I think a lot of us would agree on that. But the way that he terms like, oh, these are six easy pieces, like just from a teacher standpoint and from the idea of like, how am I going to take something that is super complicated and make it accessible and educational for someone who's pretty new? And so I'm just really interested to see how he lays out something that is a really complicated subject because I know there are things that I talk about. If I don't talk about them in a simple, clear way, like even something like like can still sound really confusing. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know how I can talk about any topic in a simple, clear way that communicates great information without overwhelming people and gives Mm. them something to take away. And so that's a book that I'm reading. I'm also reading, um, I'm also reading Jeff Bezos letters, the Mm -hmm. invent and wander. I've been reading through those. And then, uh, a fun read that I'm going through right now is Seinfeld's new Mm -hmm. book. Is this anything, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just basically a collection of his jokes over the past 50 years Mm. (laughs) but the other thing that i find again like i'm always looking for some kind of angle that Mm. i can take away outside of just like this is what they're marketing it as like but with seinfeld like the consistent again going back to consistent the consistency that it takes to be working comedian and write jokes for 50 years Mm -hmm. there are little gold nuggets all throughout that book of like well, this is the way that I first thought about joke writing. I'm like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. How did Jerry Seinfeld, the most, you know, ele- perhaps the most illustrious comedian of the last 50 years, mm-hmm. how did he get himself into the mindset of like, it's time to write jokes. Like, mm-hmm. it's time to make videos. It's time to record podcasts. 
And he has this famous strategy. Um, I think it's attributed to him, or maybe it's just famously attributed to him. James Clear talked about it in a couple of his articles. Um, I think it was the first place I saw this. But um, Seinfeld had this strategy um, where he, his goal was to just write one joke, just one joke per day. Mm. And he just had to, like, he had one of these big wall calendars, a big red marker. And if he wrote a joke for that day, he would, like, X out. And he just had a chain of unbroken days. And I think he, you know, he wrote jokes for like years, years in a row. And he didn't say it had to be a funny joke. Didn't have to ever be a joke that he had to use <laughs> at all. But he would write one joke a day. And I'm telling you, if you write 365 jokes, probably 30 of them are going to be funny. Mm-hmm. And if you have 30 funny jokes, you have a routine. And that was kind of, I was like, oh, man. So if I make 100 YouTube videos, probably 10 to 15 of them are going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And, or like some of them are going to take off. But I have to make 100 videos. And that's something like just that consistency, building, building that library of content, giving yourself enough shots to hit it big is something that has just really resonated with me. Wow. Yeah, that's such a good way. And that consistency is what makes him a comedian worth a billy. Yeah. And that would be yeah. where that comes from. So, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I couldn't think of a better yeah, note. Hey. That kind of summed it up and wrapped with the consistency and everything. For everybody listening, uh, go download the three keys. It's the number three, K-E-Y-S dot F-Y-I. And then uh, you'll go find Matt on the interwebs. He'll email you. His emails are great, by the way. Um, and so you'll be able to catch his YouTube channel and all of it. So, Matt, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'm going to wrap the show now. So everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of The Crazy Mind of George. I know it belongs in a straight jacket. So leading us into 2020, you can join my level of crazy. We can get it organized. Make sure you go check out Matt. I'm going to highly recommend it. I've been following him for years. Until next time, it's time to cue the outro. And remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.